Oh, the hidden ball trick. In my current adult baseball league, players have been duped more often than not. Now, that's not because it was executed well. It has more to do with us just being lazy ball players. Either way, deception such as this trick can be an important strategy in sports. But where's the line? What constitutes whether or not a play, or in this episode's case, a pitch or act of pitching, is too deceiving? Should it matter? Does it even influence the way the game is played? Let's balk about it. Play ball! Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the Ball and Mitt Podcast, a willy-nilly talk show about baseball, life, and the occasional knee slapper. So grab your Cracker Jacks, sit back, and relax. It's gonna be a doozy. Here's your host, the Bees Knees himself, Brian Hey, baseball fans, I am your host, Brian Bramer, and this is the Ball Mitt Podcast, Episode 9. Hope everyone enjoyed their July 4th midweek hump day inconvenience. I say inconvenience because, well, who likes holidays in the middle of the week? Maybe some of you do because it kind of breaks the week up a bit, but I can only imagine how slow and how much Thursday and Friday is actually going to drag out. Anyway, hopefully you were able to catch a ball game and then maybe some fireworks directly after. Baseball and fireworks. Now that's America. Also apple and blueberry pie. Well, I spent my July 4th in the hospital and then on my recliner the rest of the day. And oddly enough, this had nothing to do with my shoulder surgery. Quick story, and then we'll get right into that new segment called Hardball Headlines. So I finally got the energy to enjoy the heat and take a walk around the lake near my house. It's called Lake Lynn, and it's about 2.5 miles. It's a nice little walk. Well, being the overachiever that I am, I asked my sister if she wanted to go uh, on a hiking trail that had a little rougher terrain. So about one mile in, I stepped on probably the biggest tree root I've ever seen, bent my ankle, and heard a pop. As I was falling to the dirt, I tucked my arm into my belly so I didn't extend my hand to try and catch myself. This is how a labrum gets torn. And as you know, I've had enough of those to go around for everybody. Well, I still landed directly on my shoulder, and that didn't feel too good either. Now, I'd like to say that I took it like a man, got up, and hopped through the woods back to my car. However, this is not how this story ends. I cried. I sobbed. It was either that or swear like a sailor. But it wasn't just the pain of my ankle and my shoulder. I seriously thought I had re-injured my shoulder. Forget the ankle, whatever. How's my shoulder? Well, a good Samaritan ran to the park ranger. Yes, those still exist. And they were able to call an ambulance. Being out in the woods didn't make this any easier. So I got my first ride in an Ambo, got some uh, x-rays of my ankle and shoulder, along with those nice little warm blankets that they put over you. It's like it's straight out of the oven. It's almost like being hugged by a real-life burrito. Anyway, x-rays came back negative, and I only had a sprain and a $300 bill. Conclusion, I hate nature. Okay, time for some hardball headlines. Now, let's start off with something that I find comical. Scott Boris, one, if not the top sports agent in the business, is on the record for the following comment. Quote, I've certainly come to the conclusion that shifting is grandly discriminatory in the game against power left-handed hitters, unquote. Now, his comments continue, 
to make him look more and more silly. I'm not going to go into all those, but then he says this. You're referring to the league allowing the shift. You're affecting baseball on many, many levels in a negative way. Now, I find it very hard that an agent is truly concerned about the integrity of a game. It's almost as if there is something else going on behind the scenes. Hmm. To be honest, it's not even behind the scenes. Boris knows it's going to be much harder for him to get Bryce Harper a large contract coming off of a down year. And the less Harper makes, you guessed it, the less Boris makes. I mean, that, that couldn't possibly be the driving force behind this statement. Come on, Brian. It's, it's, like you, it's like you think money controls the game. How silly of you. Apparently, baseball should ban a strategy, the shift, for being too effective. Now, don't get me wrong. I did not like the shift when it first occurred. I had, I had no real reason for not liking it. It just it looked weird, and maybe it was perceived as cheating, similar to illegal defense in basketball. But I got over it, and I see its merit, especially if it's going to produce more self-serving comments like these from ticked-off angels. Keep them coming. The Negro League Baseball Museum began a $4 million renovation project in 2011 of the Paseo YMCA to house an education center named after Kansas City Monarch star Buck O'Neill. Unfortunately, this project suffered a setback when the place was vandalized. So vandals broke into the building and severed a water pipe, which caused flooding to occur on two floors of the building. Now, the center was due to open next year. There's no word yet on how far out this crime pushes the opening of the center. It may not at all. I, I'm not sure. I haven't seen any news that's kind of indicated one way or the other. But the museum's president, Bob Kendrick, has this to say about those rallying around uh, this incident. It's been heartwarming, the overflowing amount of concern. People have already expressed a willingness to want to help, whatever that is, whether it's with labor or financially. Congratulations to Max Scherzer on becoming the, I have a hard time with that last name, I think everybody does, on becoming the 11th player in MLB history to record 1,000 strikeouts with two different teams. And might I add, the only player to do this with two different colored eyes. Ha <laughs> you heard it first here, folks. Major League Baseball fined Yankees left fielder Brett Gardner 2,000 smackaroos for taking too long to get into the batter's box. This is, this is laughable. The fine was issued around mid-June for repeatedly breaking one of the pace of play rules in April and May. Now, first thing, how much is two grand to these guys? Like maybe about 50 cents. So, okay, there goes that oatmeal cream pie at the gas station. Second, he had to repeatedly break the rule before being issued a fine? In what universe does that make sense? It's like the umpires were keeping tally and placing bets as to who would be the one to finally say, enough is enough. You've reached your 1,000th warning. Now give me those quarters. Now, and what's the use of these rules when you're allowed to break them repeatedly? And how's a player to know what he can and cannot do when you, have, when you continue to let him do these actions for so long? He's going to think it's okay. So this was just dumb. Apparently, Carlos Zambrano, who hasn't pitched in the majors in six years, is seeking a comeback. Maybe he's been hanging out with Brett Favre and was inspired. Then again, Favre isn't Latino, so that joke really doesn't work. Anyway, according to David Kaplan of NBC Sports Chicago, Zambrano is in great shape 
you can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes, and pitching in the Mexican League. He has also changed his life, again, air quotes, and has become more of a religious man. Not sure what that means. Religion can't save you, but a relationship can. A recent study shows that athletes ages 15 to 19 account for 57% of Tommy John surgeries. This rate is increasing at an average of 6% a year. Doctors Randolph Cohen and Eric Eisner have noticed the trend in their under-18 sports medicine practice at the Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. They attribute this increase to kids being pushed to concentrate and over-pursue in a single sport due to travel teams and possible college scholarships. Cohen has this to say. They, referring to the kids, just can't take that repetitive type of consistent pounding on their bones, joints, and ligaments without developing an inordinate high rate of injury. Now, I also read that many younger athletes think they can have this surgery, therefore developing this super arm, kind of similar to that 90s film, um, man, what was it called? A Rookie of the Year. You know, he breaks his arm, uh, he puts it in a cast, and when it comes out, he's just got this bionic arm. What's interesting is that Dr. Andrews, who's the director at Andrews Sports Medicine, obviously, says that, quote, if a player does throw harder, it's not because of the surgery. It's because of the maturity of that player and all the rehab and conditioning that they do for a year or a year and a half in their comeback. So it's actually the hard work put into recovery that results in a stronger arm. Imagine that. And finally, the Baltimore Orioles are still the worst team in baseball. Okay, now, what? <laughs> what you're going to see that often. What in the world is a balk? Does anyone even know? Do the umpires even know? It's hard to say. The issue isn't even the criteria surrounding a balk. It's more of the interpretation of a pitcher's intent. But isn't this subjective approach the very reason why we tried to objectively define what constitutes a balk? And it's very difficult to objectify something so subjective. But here we are. Now, what I want to do uh, in this episode with this topic is this. I want to glance at the balk's history. We won't spend too much time here because it doesn't have too much bearing on what I want to drive home, but it's somewhat important. Then I want to try to define or redefine the bulk, try being the, the operative word there. Go through the 13 action items of a bulk briefly. We want to talk about them, see if they can be explained, or if they're just straight up confusing. Look at a couple recent bulk calls, I got about two of them in mind, and then determine what we should do about the bulk in general. What, what are my suggestions? But first, it's time to stump you with this week's Knuckleball Trivia. All right, here we go. Knuckleball Trivia time. Hopefully, everyone enjoyed last week's trivia question. I learned some things about the babe himself, and I hope you did as well. I wonder if I can get an education tax credit on my podcast equipment, because I'm educating you. You're educating me. Hmm. I'll look into it later. Okay. Here we go. What non-Major League Baseball stadium was based on the original single-deck design of Wrigley Field, and what baseball movie was filmed at this particular ballpark? So it's a two-part question, two answers. What non-Major League Baseball stadium was based on the original single-deck design of Wrigley Field, and then what baseball movie was filmed at this particular ballpark? What I mean by non-Major League is it's not a Major League team. Okay, it can be any other 
team. Uh, a minor league stadium isn't considered a major league, even though they're affiliates of major league uh, programs. So it's none of the 32 that exist today. 30 or 32? Whatever. It's none of the major league ballparks that exist today or in the past in the majors. Okay? Um, so in... So what I'm thinking about doing is I want to start revealing the answers maybe during the following week's podcast. I know not everyone is able to listen to an episode right away, and sometimes it may take several days. I release it on a Friday. You may not even listen to it over the weekend, and then I reveal the answer on a Monday. So you'll have one full week to to do your research, plus I won't have to remember to post the answer on Twitter at 6 p.m. on Monday. So I actually do this for selfish reasons, to be honest, not for you. Okay? All right, let's move along. Per the Recondent Baseball webpage, there are four distinct moments in baseball history that touch the issue of the bulk. In 1898, by the way, the Recondent Baseball webpage actually has a lot of very weird oddities of baseball. You should check it out sometime. All right, in 1898, the first bulk rule dealing with runners on base was inserted into the rulebook. It stated a pitcher was compelled to throw to a base if he had made a motion in that direction. The following year, the bulk rule was refined to say a pitcher could not fake a pickoff throw. All right, skipping ahead about 50 years. In 1950, a new rule requiring a one-second stop before delivering a pitch with men on base was implemented in 1950. In 1963, the National League cracked down on balks for that season. And uh, let's see, an order went out to umpires to clamp down on balks, and it resulted in 20 balks called in the first 20 games of the year. Sounds pretty uh, obnoxious. In 1988, the version of the rules replaced complete stop with single, complete, and discernible stop with both feet on the ground. This slight change intended to make balk calls more uniform throughout Major League Baseball. Instead, it sparked one of the most frustrating summers ever for Major League Hurlers. This was often referred to as the year of the balk. So you can kind of see a a small progression. And throughout these four moments, and I'm sure there's more, it has to do with, the balk has to do with deceiving the runner and a pickoff throw. So let's keep that in mind as we go through this. So. What is a bulk? Well, according to Pro Baseball Insider, which is not the official definition, but this is them summing up what they see in baseball and how it's being called and putting it to practical use. It says this, quote, when a pitcher tries to intentionally deceive the hitter or runner, it can be a flinch on the mound after the pitcher gets set, a deceptive pickoff attempt, or even just as simple as dropping the ball once you become set. There are many actions that can result in a bulk, and we're going to go over those actions. Now, let's take a look at how the MLB glossary defines a bulk. So not the rule book, just the glossary. Quote, a bulk is an illegal act by the pitcher when one or more runners are on base. The rule is in place to prevent a pitcher from deceiving the base runners. But then... The MLB rulebook lists all possible balks under the subheading condition of if there is a runner or runners. So they're conditioning a balk if there's runners. And at the very end, it lists a second subheading 
that states that if an illegal pitch occurs with no runners on base, it shall be called a ball. So we have a rule that is written in the context of runners being on base that can be enforced with no runner on base, yet some balks occur in relation to the batter and not the runner at all. Confusing. Just wait. Just hang on. As seen in Pro Baseball Insider's definition, they include that a balk is an attempt to deceive the runner or hitter. So their definition is an interpretation of how the balk is called, but the MLB's glossary is the official definition, which only mentions the runner, yet the MLB rulebook contains certain balks that relate to the hitter. You can see the confusion. Now hopefully we can clear some of this up. Let me first say that if we are to keep the balk the same, the official rule needs to be rewritten or clarified. However, I think some major edits need to occur regardless. So let's take a look at each type of balk briefly and try to narrow down a common theme. So I'm going to come on over here. I'm actually looking at the official rule book here. And it's rule 6.02, and it's actually called Pitcher Illegal Action. Letter A, balks. And then it says, if there is a runner or runners, it is a balk when. And then it lists 13. 13 balks, and balks is under pitcher illegal actions. So balks isn't even the, the main rule. It's pitcher illegal actions. And there's actually an A, a B, and a C. That's interesting. All right, so we'll get there. Number one, the pitcher, while touching his plate, the rubber, makes any motion naturally associated with his pitch and fails to make such delivery. That's pretty self-explanatory. I think we all know that one. Uh, if left-handed or right-handed, the pitcher swings his free foot past the back edge of the pitcher's rubber. He's required to pitch to the batter except to throw maybe to second base on a pickup play. So when that free foot, the free foot is the one that's closest to the batter. The pivot is the one obviously on the rubber. So when that free foot passes and breaks past the pitcher's rubber, it's got to come home. Okay, that's just a stipulation of Aaron one. I think we all understand that one. It's pretty, pretty simple. Number two, the pitcher, while touching his plate, again, the rubber, faints or fakes a throw to first or third base and fails to complete the throw. Uh, back, I think this was changed in 2012. You used to be able to fake to third and throw to first. You're not allowed to do that anymore. If you're going to go towards third, if you step towards third, while still maintaining contact with the rubber, we're not talking about clearing the rubber yet, still maintaining that. If you step towards it, you have to throw it. Number three, the pitcher, while again touching his plate, the rubber, fails to step directly toward a base before throwing to that base. So number two, address the whole fake to third, throw to, throw to first, or not completing a throw at all. Number three says that when you step towards a base, you have to, you, you can't fail to step directly towards it. There's no, there's kind of like this 90 degree angle. And, you know, one end of 90 degrees is towards first base or third, depending upon what type of pitcher you are. And the other end of 90 degrees is towards home. And there's like this invisible line at a 45 degree angle. So if you step towards home on that side of the 45 degree angle, but then you throw it to first or third, that's going to be a balk. You, you pretty much have to step where you're throwing, okay? 
uh, comment here says this requires the pitcher while touching the rubber to step directly toward a base before throwing to the base. If a pitcher turns or spins off of his free foot without actually stepping or if he turns his body and throws before stepping, it is a balk. A pitcher is to step directly towards a base before throwing to the base and is required to throw because he steps. It is a balk if, with runners on first and third, the pitcher steps towards third and does not throw merely to bluff the runner back to third. Then seeing that the runner started for second goes back to first. Um, it is legal for a pitcher to fake a throw to second base. You, you can do that. Why? Absolutely no, no idea. All right, number four. The pitcher, while touching the rubber, throws or fakes, faints a throw to an unoccupied pace except for the purpose of making a play. So you've got a pitcher. He's, you know, pitching from the stretch. He comes set. Let's say it's a lefty. He's looking towards first. He goes to make a play. And if he, if that first baseman leaves early, he can go ahead and throw towards second base. But he has to do it in a proper way. He can't, he can't break uh, his set. Uh, you can't break your hands. The hands have to be together when you come set. So you can't break them unless you step off the rubber, step behind it, or that's what's considered clearing the rubber, but he can throw towards the intended base if that runner has already taken off and there's going to be a play there, and that's going to be subjective, so they can do that. Uh, further comment is when determining whether the pitcher throws or fakes a throw to an unoccupied base for the purpose of making a play, the umpire should consider whether a runner on the previous base demonstrates or otherwise creates an impression of his intent to advance to such an occupied base. So if the runner even fakes going, but the pitcher ends up throwing into the unoccupied base, that's going to be okay. Again, a lot of judgment calls. All right, number five. This, this is what I, this is interesting. The pitcher makes an illegal pitch. So a balk is not considered an illegal pitch. An illegal pitch is a balk. And then the comment below is telling a quick pitch is an illegal pitch. Umpires will judge a quick pitch as one delivered from the batter before the batter is reasonably set in the batter's box. With runners on base, the penalty is a balk. With no runners on base, it's a balk. But I thought a balk can only be called to deceive the runner. Now they're bringing in the batter. That This is where there's some inconsistencies. So what happens is in this context, a quick pitch is not beneficial or it's deceptive towards the batter. But I, but I thought balks were for the runner. So th this, this one was interesting. This is kind of where it, it turns a little bit. An illegal pitch, a quick pitch is an illegal pitch. Now, more than likely, you're not coming set. So it is a balk. So it is going to deceive the runner. But I just find it interesting that they use the batter as the, the reason why you can't do this. So... I'll talk about it later. I think the definition needs to change. More like pro baseball insider. It it's the balk is it should be with how the rules are rules are written now, it should be batter and runner. That's how it should be now. Whether I think it should be changed to that, we'll get into that. Okay, number six. The pitcher delivers the ball to the batter while he is not facing the batter. Okay, never seen that one, but it's there. Because it'll happen once. Well, as soon as we if we ever remove that one, it'll happen. 
Uh, number seven, the pitcher makes any motion naturally associated with his pitch while he is not touching the pitcher's plate. So acts like he's pitching, but he's not in position to pitch. That's deceptive. I, that, um, that makes sense. Number eight, the pitcher unnecessarily delays the game. Uh, I Okay. For whatever reason, that's going to be the umpire's you know, call, his judgment call. But that's, it's funny how it can be called a balk. And then again, if there's no runners on, it'd be a ball um, just because it's a delay of game. It has nothing to do even with the pitch. It's not deceiving the runner or the batter. It just seems like maybe it should go somewhere else. All right, number nine. The pitcher, without having the ball, stands on or astride the pitcher's plate, or while off the plate, he fakes a pitch. Okay, so you, you can't be on the mound without the ball. Number 10. The pitcher, after coming to a legal pitching position, removes one hand from the ball other than in an actual pitch or in throwing to a base. So once you come set, the only way you separate your hands is if you're doing a pickoff or coming home with the ball. Because obviously you can't, you can't throw the ball with two hands. <laughs> you look it's like a chess pass. That'd be pretty funny. I dare someone to do it. Number 11, the pitcher, while touching his plate, the rubber again, I'm sorry, I keep using those interchangeably, accidentally or intentionally has the ball slip or fall out of his glove or hand. This one is dumb. Number 12, the pitcher, while giving an, inten- while giving an intentional base on balls, pitches when the catcher is not in the catcher's box. Now, the manager calls this one now. So I don't even think, I mean, maybe the catcher has to be in the batter's box and then the umpire can say, you know, hold up four fingers and say we want to intentionally walk them. I don't even know if the batter has to get into the batter's box. So this one should go away. And then number 13, the pitcher delivers the pitch from set position without coming to a stop, which is similar to a quick pitch, but sometimes it it, it happens. They don't come to a so, uh, set, but it has nothing to do with them pitching quick. They just They just didn't come to a set. Okay, so that was all under A, balk. But then we have B, and it's called illegal pitches without bases unoccupied. If the pitcher makes an illegal pitch with the bases unoccupied, it shall be called a ball unless the batter reaches first base on a hit, an error, a base on balls, a hit batter, or otherwise. So you kind of let the play go out. Um, You let the play play out. (laughs) And then whatever happens, if it's more beneficial, if what happens is less than an advancement of a base, they go ahead and advance the runner to the base. So they kind of, you know, because it could be that they go two bases. You don't want to hit, you know, so you don't want to, it's kind of like in soccer. You don't call that foul until you see, until that offensive player loses their advantage. And when things kind of slow down, then you go ahead and, and call it. So it's a delayed penalty type of thing. And then number C is pitching prohibitions, and that's talking more of, you know, pine tar and spitting and um, what they can and cannot do uh, as far as, you know, intentionally throwing at the bat or those types of things. Almost like manners, uh, protocol, um, just good sportsmanship. But but what what doesn't make sense is B is illegal. So illegal pitches with bases unoccupied is not a bulk, is not categorically a bulk. But it has the same 13 stipulations. It's just, it's a balk without anybody on base, but yet it's not underneath the balk. So some things need to change. 
uh, in this, and there needs to be some some adjustments. Um, so a lot of that is very straightforward. The problem is the communication and the interpretation. So like like I've mentioned, I think in other podcasts, you have rules, you have facts, but they're not self-interpreting. You know, they they have to be applied to certain situations. I don't know what that word was. Certain situations. Now, going back to my notes here, what's interesting is that if the bases are empty, an illegal action by a pitcher is not technically a balk, but we call it a balk. So it seems that a balk is an illegal pitch, but that can't be because an illegal pitch is number five on the list of what constitutes a balk. So again, it seems that a balk is an illegal action with runners on base. There has to be runners on base because the MLB glossary states that a balk is when a pitcher tries to deceive the runner. If there's not a runner on base, a balk cannot be called. It would just be a balk. However, a definition of an illegal pitch is a quick pitch, and the rule states that if a quick pitch happens with no runners on base, then it's a balk. But this stipulation is in the section that discusses balks. It's just, there needs to be some clarification, and it's just an endless circle. Now, remember when I said we would hopefully clear this up a bit? I apparently was being overly optimistic because I, I'm kind of more confused. You have rules, and then you have interpretations of the rules, and then on top of that, you have the subjective perspective of the umpire. It's very convoluted. Let me let let me look at two recent balk calls. So on June the 10th, Keon Keela, apologize if I said your first name long, wrong, but Keela, relief pitcher for the Texas Rangers, was called for a balk against the Houston Astros. Now Keela clearly never came set while pitching from the stretch. This is fairly a fairly simple balk call. One of the easier ones, actually. However, not one single umpire made the balk call initially. A.J. Hinch actually convinced the umpires to conference together and make the call retroactively. Now, as much as someone would say that this is unprofessional, umpires usually do not overrule each other unless a second opinion is called for or asked for. Then it's not an overrule, it's more of a discussion. And I don't know what the umpire saw. I think if any umpire can call a balk, and I, I, I do think any umpire can call a balk, but since one wasn't called, I assume no one saw anything. But here's the kicker. Nowhere in the rule book does it state when a balk can be called or has to be called. Sometimes the umpire can let the pitch play out, then call a balk if the results of the balk are less than the punishment or the reward, depends on you know, how you're looking at it, um, uh, punishment or reward of the balk. So I don't know if this is reviewable, but a discussion is not reviewable. I just, I've, I'm, it's interesting. I'd like to be a fly, can't be on the wall, but a fly on one of the umpire's shirts to hear the discussion of them saying, oh yeah, I think you're right. There there might have been a, a no step, you know, no stop with, with the set and that kind of thing. I, I don't know. That, that's confusing to me. That was an easy call, but I just kind of wanted to bring that up to mention, hey, a balk doesn't have to be called at any specific time. Another recent controversy uh, controversial balk reversal was White Sox pitcher James Shields. Originally, the umpires caught a balk because he performed the fake throw to first and go to third, which, as I've mentioned, is now illegal. But he actually never threw the ball, so it's going to be a balk regardless. Now, later, the call was reversed because the umpires decided that Shields cleared the rubber. So he stepped behind the rubber and he broke his hands. Therefore, when he does this, he can throw the ball whenever. 
run it or heck, even do the chicken dance if he wanted to. He can do whatever he wants. Now, if you go and watch the replay of this play, there really is no indisputable evidence that he cleared the rubber. Plus, his pickoff fake was all in one motion. It wasn't a step off and then a throw. He kind of just hopped. So that that in and of itself isn't... I, I don't even think if he did step off the rubber, if, if that, that should have been you know, still a balk. But there's got to be an easier way to call a balk. So here's, here's my recommendation. First, an illegal pitch, whatever we decide those are, that occurs with the bases empty is simply a dead ball. It's a no pitch. Stop giving away free pitches. The rules state that a balk is in the context of there being runners on base, so neither a balk or a ball should be called. The punishment for an illegal pitch with bases empty is you must deliver the pitch again. Maybe you get two warnings and then you're ejected. Just so it doesn't happen again. That's going to probably get frowned upon, but oh well, I said it. I just think rewarding a ball is is dumb. Second, a dropped ball on the mound should just be a dead ball. It's a stupid rule to, to make this a balk. How is that deceptive? If a runner is deceived because a ball was dropped, then he probably shouldn't be a professional athlete. Another recommendation. If a pitcher delays the game, he should get a warning and then get tossed. I think losing a good reliever is a better punishment, a more fitting punishment, than giving someone a free base. See, the problem is a balk should only refer to a pitch, whether it's faking or throwing a pitch. If nothing occurs, like dropping the ball or delaying a game, a free base shouldn't be awarded. Just remove these two from the category. Put put them somewhere else, like the garbage. Fourth, rewrite the rules and try to make them clear and eliminate any other language recorded anywhere else that is associated with MLB. And I'm mainly speaking of the glossary. And possibly fifth, Extend the rubber out to the sides, or better yet, use the chalk uh, to extend the lines. A pitcher still has to line up on the rubber, but this line will give a good indication of whether or not a pitch really uh, a pitcher really clears the rubber. Because you just have to stand behind the rubber. That could be off to the side, but you just have to be behind it. And that was kind of hard with the James Shields case. You couldn't tell because he stepped on the side a lot further than usual. With this extended line, maybe you'd be able to tell. I don't know. These are just ideas. Or just simplify the bulk. You must step or move toward the plate to which you want to pitch. If you don't, it's a bulk. And once you start your motion to any plate, you must not stop or hesitate. That's it. Only two stipulations. Fake all you want. Basically, the bulk needs to be more simplified. I really think it assumes that runners are morons and will be duped by any tiny twitch or flinch that a pitcher makes. I've talked way more than I anticipated today. Gonna skip the three-strike segment because I'm sure you guys are, are, are crying about that. Let me know what you think the MLB should do with the balk. Do I have something here, or am I just completely off my rocker? I'll chat with you next week. Thanks for your time. See ya! Well, folks, that's a wrap. This has been a Ball and Mint Podcast production. Take a gander at our website and remember to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to the show. Thank you for tuning in. Farewell, baseball fans.